Audio Wrangling is a sister site to Audio Angling, which allows people with opinions on angling and related topics to express them freely, as an insight into what the issues were in the early part of the 21st century. My name's Phil Williams, and this is a 2012 recording with Hampshire dinghy angler Wayne Comben, made inside a conservatory due to the rain, which as will become apparent gets increasingly worse and louder as the interview goes on. It's widely seen here in the UK that since certain Eastern European countries joined the European Union, with all the benefits of unrestricted rights to travel, work and relocation that that brings with it, fish stocks have come under increasing and continued pressure from people who, unlike UK nationals, see fish as a source of free food rather than an ecological or leisure time resource. This is arguably cultural, and a growing problem which those involved with aquatic habitats are struggling to cope with, and has nothing whatsoever to do with either racial prejudice or ethnic stereotypes. It's also suggested that some people of Asian origin, particularly from the Chinese community, are involved in illegally and indiscriminately cropping marine resources too, though the bulk of the overall problem is with immigrants of Eastern European origin, who are for the most part legally here in the UK. That sets the scene for the debate, so it's over now to you, Wayne, to have your say on the topic. We don't really find um, a huge problem with the boat fishing side of it because we get very few sort of Eastern Europeans buying a boat and going out and plundering in that respect. But what does sit well with me is a lot of them will fish from the jetties and the piers and, and even to a certain extent from the beaches. And it seems, you know, I've seen it. This is not, this is not me speculating or, or repeating something that someone's told me. This is what I've seen with my own eyes. So I, don't, I feel quite safe in saying it. I've seen it. They will fill buckets up with literally anything they catch. It doesn't seem to be anything that goes back. Now, personally, I wouldn't fancy eating a goby or a blenny or, or a scorpion fish or whatever, but they seem quite happy to. But it's not so much that, it's undersized bass as well. Which they, it's a, there seems no size limit and nothing that isn't fair game to them. And that, to me, is a bit of a problem, really, because uh, I know it's a different culture and what have you, but when in Rome, you should act accordingly, and um, if there's a size limit for species here, then there should be adhered to by all. But to be fair, with the Eastern Europeans, it does tend mainly to be freshwater species that are taken. Having been to Eastern Europe and seen freshwater-only fishmongers, and always somebody fishing wherever you find a stretch of fresh water, it is obviously, as I said earlier, a cultural thing. See, more of a problem appears to be Chinese anglers, I mean, I'm assuming that they are Chinese, certainly Oriental of, of some description. And now they take it to a different category altogether. We've had regular, regular concerns about the Chinese. Langston Run is a good bass fishing mark, but obviously it's a bass nursery also, and there's no using sand eels on it. Well, what we find they were doing, there was... A couple in particular that, that had small dinghies and used to drift parallel to each other along the run, fairly close together. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of net fishing, but they had a silly little rods hanging over the back that half the time they didn't bother to pretend they were fishing with them because there was no line on them or anything, but maybe just to intense purposes made it look like they were fishing with a rod and line, but they weren't. They were, they were dragging, they had a net between them. Now, what they were doing were catching bass. No two ways about it. And what they would do, they would then go around, load them up into a van, and, and off they'd go. 
Now, problems there in all sorts of ways. You're not allowed to take bass in that run, you know, such. The times of year they're taking them, they're not licensed to take them either, that's the thing. We know this because we've reported it on quite a few occasions and only once do we know that anything was done. And it's the dangerous aspect as well because they do it mostly at night and they've nearly been run down, I don't know, countless times, which, you know, it's a tragedy waiting to happen. There's no lights on these little boats they had. The only good thing I will say is that I mean, we had a problem of about four or five years of this happening. Last year, they basically got warned off by quite a few people and realised that it just wasn't worth their, their hassle. But you shouldn't should be down to, you know, anglers warning them off, really. If they were doing something illegal, then they should have, it should be picked up on, especially when it's been reported. So not only are you seeing it, but other anglers and fishermen are also seeing it too. Does this then suggest a degree of apathy on the part of organisations such as IFCA, the Environment Agency, and maybe even the police? In your opinion then, why can't it, or why isn't it being stopped? Well, I think it's purely and simply that they, um... Well, no, it's not actually, no, it's not, I'll rephrase that. I was going to say, I think purely simply they haven't got enough men in the positions to do anything about it, but I, I think that's probably half, I think the other half is a bit of apathy amongst them. I don't think they take it seriously enough. It could even be something to do with the fact that we seem to be in a culture in Britain where we're frightened to death of um, saying anything against a, a, a different race other than our own for fear of being called um, racists, which uh, I find a bit ridiculous. If, it's, if something's wrong, it doesn't matter what colour, what culture you are, what you know, what nationality you are, it doesn't really matter because I shouldn't come into it. If, if you're doing something illegal fishing-wise, then um, you know, surely you should be pulled on it, no matter what your culture is. But, I don't know, maybe it just does seem to be a little bit very touchy about upsetting anyone for fear of that race car being thrown in their face. But if we were to do something wrong in their country... Well, yeah, exactly. But when in Rome, you know... Of course, I've been abroad. I've been to quite a few countries where you, you know what you're allowed and what you're not allowed to do. And you and as, as a nation, we seem to abide by that. But we seem to be uh, also saying, well, look, you know, it's just their way. Well, <laughs> it might be what they do where they come from, and if it's all right over there, then that's all right. But if, if it's illegal here, then surely we shouldn't be afraid to, uh, to put them on it. Playing devil's advocate here, as I like to do, can I also mention three other subjects which I was forewarned that you most definitely will have a strong opinion on, the first of which is Marine Conservation Zones, or MCZs. Yeah, uh, well, fortunately, the ECA has been a very proactive club. Our fishing club secretary, a fellow called Dave Jolliffe, was a huge part of driving force in getting the overfalls protected from aggregate dredging. It basically looked like they were going to dredge the whole area, which would completely ruin it. I mean, it's a diverse fishing area, very important. I mean, you get everything from top knots to thresher sharks. You know, it's a very important area. And um, fair play to, to the man. He, he was very, very proactive in, in getting it protected from the dredging. Now, we've another fellow in our club who, who's on the... Uh, he's after the, the Recreational Angling representative. So he goes to all the meetings... Now, the general consensus appears that, unfortunately, a lot of people involved haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue. So you're trying to give them good information. Whether or not they'll use that information correctly is anyone's guess. But I do see the need for certain areas to be protected. I've got no problem with that. If, you know, if there's a, a ground, say, I mean, Breen, for instance, nest in certain areas, 
if you were to protect that area for a few months and, and that would improve the bream fishing, I've got no problem with that. There might be some of my, my areas where I go fishing now. Well, that's fine. I'll, I'll find somewhere else to fish for that short period of time. So I can see the sense in it in, in some of these zones. But looking at how it's been set out, it seems there's too many people involved, too many opinions, too many people with opinions, and, and their opinion is not formulated on knowledge, it's formulated on just what they think, which surely that's not going to work. We'll have to wait and see. I think at the end of the day, what will end up happening is um, the powers to be will bring in MCZs where they see fit, and we'll have to suck it and see. It's a good job I'm inside today, lad. The dark's <laughs> pouring down. Not pleasant. Always sounds noisy on here. Yeah. Because of the roof. Yeah. yeah, it always yeah. sounds worse than it is. The gravel extraction actually was my next question, which you've already covered. So finally, what are your thoughts then on the commercial fishing sector? And what are your feelings towards anglers who don't help themselves by putting too much boastful information onto angling websites, which as we all know, commercial fishermen also visit, then make full use of? Yeah, commercial fishing, okay. I think we all, we've all seen Hughes fish fight and we've seen these discards and I don't think anyone can possibly defend throwing back tons upon tons of perfectly good fish back in the sea. I think it is. But is there a simple answer to it? I, I honestly don't think there is. What I do think is that commercial fishing needs better legislation because throughout the world we've seen the damage. Once you get to a certain stage of super trawlers, with the electronics they have and just the sheer amount of fish they can take, you're on dangerous ground. It's not a never-ending supply. And if you treat it as such, you'll soon find that it's not. I mean, uh, historically throughout, throughout the world, you've seen fish stocks crash. The cod stocks, for instance, um, Cape Cod, they said at one time, you can almost walk across the fish stocks there. Well, you know, they wipe them out pretty quickly. The bluefin tuna, another example. Will they ever recover? You know, we don't really know, do we? So to treat fish as if they're a never-ending supply is a very dangerous precedent to set. Got a real bugbear at the moment with the with the Scottish trawlers, and I did have before we even found out that they um, have basically stolen, for want of a better word, over fifty million pounds worth of extra fish on top of what they were allowed to catch. To me, that is that shows the sheer scale of the greed of things. Um, and you'll get people saying, oh, it's a hard life for them, and they're almost on the poverty line. Well, there's a lot of people in, in life, and a lot of walks of life, that are, that are struggling you know, with their work and, and are only just making ends meet. And they don't resort to, to illegally doing stuff to make extra money. I'm sorry this sounds callous, but if it's not working for you, then you need to really look into another business. So if you're, if you're a commercial fisherman and, and you're struggling, then perhaps you should look into other ways of making a living. You say allegedly... But the court upheld that case, so actually it was genuine theft. Absolutely. So what goes on that we don't know of? There was a scallop bed found in Langston Harbour last year. Well, as soon as the commercials found it, they dredged it to death and there was not a scallop bed there now. And it's that sort of attitude that, that doesn't sit well with me. There's no um, foresight, there's no, let's look into what the stocks will be tomorrow. It's, let's take it now, let's grab it now, we want it now. You know, I don't care if people don't like what I've got to say, I don't really care. There's a lot of people saying that I don't like. Well, I will say that a lot of the commercial fishermen I see don't look like they're on a poverty line to me. They really don't. They look like they have a very good living, a lot of them. Far better than 
you know, they live in a bigger house and they drive a better car than I drive, and uh, I'm not bemoaning the fact, but I then uh, in the same case, I've got the same stars. I like to hear them say, pleading poverty, well, tough a lot of the time. It doesn't mean you should pillage the stocks of, of, of certain species. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this example, I could, I could probably quote examples willy-nilly. I mean, there was the, there was the, the mullet that were found in the Isle of Man. Was it 10 tonne of mullet were taken? A mullet of slow growing fish, you know, there were £10 mullet that they had in these nets, and in the end they were knocking doors trying to sell them, and, and you think in the end I think they were going for like pot bait and stuff like that, well if we had a sports fishing side of, of things more to look at, those mullet would be worth a lot more money surely than, than 10p a kilo or whatever it was they went for I spoke to a commercial very recently, standing on um, a pontoon at North Dee Marina and uh, a shoal of mullet came past Fish were between like two and four pounds, I suppose, 20 of them. And um, as they came under the pontoon, I said, oh, the, you know, the mullet are in then. And uh, the commercial stopped in his tracks, counted them all, and went, 40 quid's worth there. And I thought, surely they're worth more than 40 quid. Yeah, as, as just as a, as a 40, you know, mullet as a species, I thought, surely they're worth more than 40 quid to a commercial. But unfortunately, that is the attitude of a, of a lot of commercial fishermen. It's a case of, it's all it's a money it's a numbers thing it's a money thing and um, we really need to look a look a bit it's a short sighted view we need to look a bit further than that and anglers are telling them where and when to get busy so are therefore complicit in any damage done well I only go on really on one forum and that's I've, not, I've only found that forums as a recent thing for me but I really like the forum that I'm part of because it's a it's friendly there's no it's invite only but of course there's people that we know we can get hold of the link and go on and see our catch reports and, and the like. And we, we absolutely know for a fact that commercials trawl these forums. That's a fact, without a doubt. And yeah, if you are very specific with your numbers of certain fish species, just be careful because uh, one day you'll find that there might be a huge array of nets set across where you've been uh, telling people you've, you've been having some good fishing. So it's a difficult one. It's very, I don't think there's a simple answer to it. For me, I'd like to think the way forward is um, maybe to have a fishing licence for recreational fishermen, but use that money to possibly, I don't know, buy out some of the commercial licences, have areas that are rod and line fishing only. But I don't, I don't really know, I don't think there's a simple answer to it. I'd rather not fish and know there was fish in the sea than try to fish for very little fish around. I really would. I, it's important that we protect you know, the, the, you know, the wildlife around us and fish are part of that. 